Welcome to the Limitless Grit Podcast, where we have conversations with social entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and ordinary people who are achieving extraordinary results. And now, here is your host, Shristi Gajarel. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Limitless Grid Podcast. This is a very, very interesting episode because usually I interview entrepreneurs or writers, but Varsha Thapa is a very, very spiritual soul and also a model in New York City. I've known about her for a long time because she's from Nepal and I'm from Nepal, if you didn't know, and she is the first major model from Nepal who has been signed by an agency in New York City. So I was always fascinated by her and, you know, knew her while growing up. So when I decided to do this podcast, I really wanted to share her story and know her better. So here I have Varsha. She is such a beautiful soul. She is has been on cover of Vogue magazine. She's walked to New York Fashion Week, Paris Fashion Week, London Fashion Week, and has modeled for really big companies, but at the same time, she's super humble, down to earth. She knows what she wants, but she's so humble about it. And, you know, I'm really pleased that I got an opportunity to interview her, and I'm really, really proud of this interview as well. I think I love her. She's one of my good friends now, but, um, you will fall in love with her as well because she's such a beautiful soul. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast and this conversation as much as I have enjoyed. So without further ado, everyone, Varsha Tapa. Hey, Varsha, welcome to the Limitless Grid podcast. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing <laughs> well. I, um, I mean, a lot of people from Nepal or like South Asian community are familiar with your work or who you are. But for people who don't know who you are, if you want to give us like a quick background. I was born in Nepal, went to school in Nepal, and then went to school in India for a bit, and then, um, you know, got really tired of school, let's say, (laughs) and um, found myself applying to different agencies in all around the world, and, um, and then after a couple of years, found myself modeling in New York, and all around the world, I would say, and um, as easy it, as it sounds right now, the way I'm saying, <laughs> if um, there was someone watching me do all of this, then they would really know what the struggle was behind getting myself to where I am today. I mean, like it was really unheard of for someone from Nepal or like mm-hmm. you know Southeast Asia to walk in New York Fashion Week or Paris Fashion Week, mm-hmm. and you're so young. So how did you? think about becoming a model and when did you start applying? Well, uh, I always knew. I think that this this is with all everyone who works in the entertainment business is that they always know that somehow, in some way, they want to be in front of the camera or they want to be in the entertainment business mm-hmm. or they want to um, be someone whom people can look at and laugh or admire or just have fun. Mm -hmm. I always knew as a child, even when we had family gatherings and, you know, people would come around and like, so my aunties, my uncles, my moms, my mom's friends would come around. And so like, naturally, I would always get up and start dancing. And, you know, like, even if my, even if dancing wasn't the case, as my mom would say, I would take circles just to be in front of the people and just to get attention from people and be like, hey, you know what, guys, I know you guys are talking and having a great time, but here, <laughs> watch me just take circles of this, you know, in this room. So it's just... Uh, I always knew that I wanted to be in front of the camera, entertain people, make people laugh. I want them to feel emotions, go into different spaces when they when they see my shoots or when they see me in a picture, yeah. you know? Because that's the ultimate goal, is to make people feel nostalgia or make people feel um, the feelings they want to feel. Mm-hmm but it doesn't come to them as easy, you know? When you look at a picture, and if it's a great picture, it takes you back to 
certain memories you know mm-hmm. you you look at a picture with a dog and you, it reminds you of your dog you know mm-hmm. you do look at a picture of um a romantic scenario where a man and a woman are sitting together it takes you back to mm-hmm. your romantic scenarios mm-hmm. so you know it just for me i always loved art and creation and the fact that i could be a part of it and entertain people at the same time looked like a win-win situation for me wow you know so how old were you when you started applying for oh god i was 16 i was 16 i was on it so at the time the biggest thing that was available to me was miss nepal i at some point in my life want wanted to participate in miss nepal but since i was in a boarding school that was not possible mm-hmm. and also for me to leave everything all of my education and everything go to nepal and participate and then thereafter stay in nepal for the entire year and you know being miss nepal requires that requires you to stay in nepal and do all the community work and you know help out and do and play the role of Miss Nepal, which I couldn't dedicate. Mm-hmm. Um, so, because of the time constraint, I, I said to myself, listen, let's complete education, let's do high school, let's finish whatever my mom wants me to finish, mm-hmm. and just give it a try. Just send emails out and to all the agencies in, around the world. Um, so, I told myself, mom, give me six months, I'm going to go work in a hotel in... Goa and give me a time out give me some time to figure myself out so my I went to um, I did an internship um, in 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 a hotel in Goa and then at the time you know I had some time to think and I told myself you know I want to go I want I, I want to apply to different agencies so while I was still studying I applied to different agencies but you know like you know you dream you dream you dream but at the same time you got to build pillars to the ground to, to you know you got to put yourself back to reality and see whether you could do it or not and for me reality hit me really hard when i heard from agencies saying but you know we like you we love your look but you know you're not you're not it right now you know or or, or you're not the kind of look we're going for right now you know and when i was applying i mean you know diversity there was no nothing called diversity the women that were representing the fashion industry at the time were all caucasian or you know there were a pop of color here and there mm-hmm. like you know one black girl or one uh, ethnic girl you know so there were not many girls not many div- not much diversity mm-hmm. in the industry and i was trying to break into that market at that time so you know it was very tough for me cuz every so for the entire two months that i had applied you know, I kept, so, so entire two months, I kept, kept sending emails to every single agencies if they could, you know, sign me and fly me over to the country. And the entire two months, I kept getting rejected and rejected and rejected. And they kept saying, no, 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 I'm sorry, you're not for us. So imagine what would have occurred to a 16-year-old at that age to get rejected every single day for two months consecutively. You know, so it was really hard for me. So I would apply, I would go back to sleep, wake up every morning, see rejections, and then go back to my bed and weep again, <laughs> cry for a couple of hours, and then pull myself back together and say, Varsha, you want this? Then you can't cry. Yeah. Varsha, you want this? Then go for it. Yeah. Get up and, you know, tell yourself that, you know, you're amazing. Tell yourself how good you are and tell yourself that you deserve this and nothing and no person acting out of racism can stop you. No one can stop me. Mm-hmm. If I want something, I'll get it. Yeah. You know, nothing can stop me because I'm the only one who defines what I want in life. So I kept applying and then slowly, but one day I had a befriend with this person on Facebook who, were, uh, who worked in Texas and his name is Caleb and Caleb's were, Caleb was like well you know there's a Wilhelmina Brown in Texas and um, why don't you apply to them because I think they check their emails or they, they won't be as strict as the New York markets or the other markets so I applied to Wilhelmina Brown and they were very thrilled about me they were like wow we love you we love your look you know we would love to have you here 
but what is an even bigger even bigger question is the is if the new york market will take you so they skyped with me they connected me to new york market in wilhelmina uh, wilhelmina new york and the first person that i got in touch with was roman young i still remember he was the one who skyped me and he said wow like you know he was in awe and that for me was you know, was one of the days I'll remember for the rest of my life because, you know, when you fight for something for two months, you know, you're fighting for something so hard and getting rejected and finally you get a yes and you get not just a yes, but you get like the treatment that you actually deserve, a treatment where, you know, you're living your truth basically, you know, when someone is saying, wow, we're going to fly you next month right away, we love your look, and I, we, we don't know what you're doing, let us know your schedule, and you're coming for New York Fashion Week. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's quick. I know, it was just like boom, boom, boom. So things, doesn't, things don't happen like right away, but when they do happen for me, they really take momentum, wow. you know? So like, and, and I had to learn a lot of patience throughout the time, like, you know? So those times really taught me, you know? I, 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 was, I kept learning all my life, but 16 onwards, I just learned like how, you know, at a pace of like a 30 year old, wow. I just learned a lot. How many rejections did you get before you got acceptance? Oh God, there were so many. Um, so every day, let's say if I sent five emails to five different agencies every single day for two months, how many would that be? Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, like more than 300. What kept you going though? I mean, I'm sure there are points where you're like, you know what, F this, like I can't deal with this anymore. Yeah, there, there were many, <laughs> there were many. I just cried and cried and cried and consoled myself. And I said, no, I don't want this. There was a part of me that said, Varsha, you know what? You're torturing me. This is mental abuse. And it did feel like mental. I was mentally abusing myself because I was forcing myself to get up every day and go for something which was killing my soul, mm. you know? But another part of me said, what if you win this? What if all of this is all worth it? What if the, the end of tunnel is very close and you're giving up like almost when you're at the end? What if that was that? So, you know, there's something called inner guidance system. Mm -hmm. And that for me has been my guide, my mentor and God and everything you want, you call it, has been there for me since I was a kid to up until now and forever until I live. So that one thing has always guided me. And above all my decisions, I trust my intuitions, my instincts, and my like everything that guides me, I trust it. And my intuition was very strong and adamant on its point saying, give it some more time. Give it some more time because you want this so much. Give it some more time. You know you don't deserve the typical um, life of a woman in Nepal. Like I've never wanted... For myself, I've never wanted to go back to Nepal, get married at 21, 22, and have kids. I knew I don't, I knew that wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. I have known that all my life. So that was my drive. My drive was just, you know, like, and the entertainment business, and the fact that I wanted to be in media and seen, mm -hmm. and use, you know, like, I, I know that I'm gonna use this platform to uh, help the greater good of the world. I mean, I agree with you. Um, also, so when I was 16 in Nepal, right? Mm. I didn't even know what modeling industry was. So the only thing I knew about was um, like Miss Nepal or like Lakme Fashion Week in India. But like, how old were you when you decided to like be a model in America or like in the West or even knew how to apply or where to go? Uh, I, I knew I wanted to be a model when I was 13. <laughs> When I was 13, I was already 5'8". And um, so at schools, we used to have like socials and, you know, like mm -hmm. we used to have dance competitions and dramas and fashion shows. And I'd always be on top of my shit. <laughs> um, in school in India, our yoga ma'am was the one, I was a choreographer for all the dance. So like I would, I would go to her like, you know, you know, hey, how are you? <laughs> like, you know, I would try to like always uh be her best girl so she puts me in the first row of the dance <laughs> competition so you know like i knew 
I, I knew what I needed to get where I wanted to. So I always knew that at 13, I was already 5'8". Yeah. You know, so... And at 13, I was already like, uh, in school, I was already leading the drama club and then the the fashion show. Like, you know, I was already leading all of that in school. Since I already knew what I wanted when I was very young, it was very easy for me to sort of navigate everything that I wanted in the future. You know, when when you look at babies Mm. and um, sometimes they pick... GI Joes and sometimes they pick like you know like swimming and sometimes they pick like certain games or something very uh, particular Mm -hmm. you already know where their interest lies not babies but I would say like uh, four years old five years old when they pick certain like interests you already know in a way that where their interest lies you already like have an idea what they're going to do because if they have so much interest in certain uh, line of work, mm-hmm. then they're definitely going to be more gravitated towards it when they grow up, you know. So as a kid, since I already knew that singing and dancing and entertaining and, and you know, meeting new people and just uh, sharing my ideas or even, you know, getting to know them was my um, interest, I already knew that I wanted to you know, sort of be in the international world. Uh, So I'll tell you a story. I knew that Indian fashion industry existed and Nepali fashion industry also existed at the time. And it was small, but, Mm -hmm. you know, it was still there at Mm -hmm. least. I remember being in school, taking some time out. I think it was like the time when I went to Goa. Taking some time out and applying to different agencies in India and um, applying to Elite at the time. Mm -hmm. And I said, uh, listen, I would love to be a model. And, you know, like I wrote them an email. I, so whenever, like, um, uh, I've, I've wanted something, I've always made sure that I went for it. Mm-hmm. You know, so... It's a really good mindset. Yeah, like I never, I never held myself back or I never deprived myself of the opportunities that I have at, could have at hand or had at hand. Yeah. Um, so I applied to Elite Model Management and said, listen, I want to be a model and I would really like to try your agency and um, I, at the moment I'm in Goa and I would love to come see you because I think I'm closer to Mumbai at the moment. And they're like, yeah, yeah, sure, come by. They wrote me. So I didn't have any money at the time. Yeah. I took a bus, a, uh, an overnight bus from Goa to Mumbai. I didn't you know any... 16 or 17? Yeah. And told myself, listen, I'm going to go there and I'm going to still try out and see what I can do at this point and what I can, you know, get out of this. So I took an overnight bus and uh, said to myself that, okay, this time I'm going to go see Elite and then, you know, get selected or whatever and then leave right away and then take this and take the bus out the same night went there got into a huge traffic of course bombay traffic is so huge <laughs> you're always you're always cursing in the in the back seat um took the cab got there um or like you know kind of around time maybe like 10 minutes late and then the girl was very happy to see me and she sat me down she's like well you know, Varsha, um, we really like you, but um, your look is really not going to work here. You know, so that was like a slap on my face because you know why? If she wanted to, she could have rejected me when I had emailed her because I emailed her pictures of mine. I'd sent her Polaroids. I'd sent her digital photos. I'd sent her everything that I could, you know, and then she could have just been like, well, you know, we're not really sure about your look and we really don't like you. And, you know, when you... You're better in person than you are in pictures. Yeah. So I mean, you know, if I sent you pictures and if you didn't re- if you didn't want me, you could have just told me that, you know. Yeah. You 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 didn't have to wait for me to get there, take an overnight bus, get there and then tell me that, you know, you don't want me. Yeah. And that was like a slap on my face and I also felt very outcasted. Like, you know, like how because of my look, why 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 wouldn't you want me? Because I looked Asian because I had uh, what they have, northeastern look. 
you know, I felt very, um, very rejected from yeah. a very small age. So, and then I told myself, you know what? You don't have to take me. I, I left, um, I left, I left their office. I was very respectful. I was like, okay, thank you. Left their office, took the overnight night bus back to Goa got to my job again and I said to myself what I this is how you, I used to talk to my I was like Varsha it's okay they don't want you and that's fine yeah. because you know you have a bigger agenda you need to have a bigger goal mm-hmm. if that wasn't where you're supposed to be then that wasn't the place for you you know if they rejected you then that wasn't the place for you you're meant for something bigger mm-hmm. this is how I always consoled myself I always talked to my talk to myself and I taught myself how to be strong you know how has rejection helped you because i mean you've been rejected ever since you said you're like 15 16 years old and how has in a way that made you a stronger person it has made me strong so since i was rejected from the age of 16 I also was teaching myself strength from the age of 16. Mm -hmm. You know, as I was getting rejected, I was filling that void Mm -hmm. with self-taught strength, self-taught power, self-taught understanding that it's okay because I'm bigger, because I'm stronger, because I have more force, I have more fierceness. I mean, I agree with you too because I came to America when I was like 15 and... I did my high school here and I mean I could barely speak English when I first came here like in Nepal like even if you learn English you don't it's hard to come to a country where they only speak English it's hard so you know when there is no choice but to be strong you become stronger yeah and you can take that opportunity to grow and like become a stronger version of yourself or you can let that ruin you and like be a miserable person exactly you You leave yourself with two choices and you choose which one you want to choose you know like like the native american person says well you know the kid asks the native american father like the indian father you Mm -hmm. know like okay so which wolf lives because he says there are two wolves in you Mm -hmm. and then he the little kid asks which wolf lives Mm -hmm. and then the man says the wolf that you feed which one do you want to feed you want to feed the positive you want to feed the encouraging the Mm -hmm. motivating the drive the you know the hope or you want exactly Mm -hmm. or you want to feed the rejection you want to feed the negativity Mm -hmm. you want to feed the downfalls which one do you want to feed i always want to feed the positive one you know why because that has taken me ahead in life and that has made me really live my life live my life to the fullest and share that happiness with my mother absolutely and um growing up i mean you said that your mom raised you uh your mom was a single mom and um i mean growing up in that culture i know it's really hard for a single mom to raise so how was your childhood well my father passed away when i was eight up until then i had the i had the love of my father for a bit but most of all it was just my mom my mom was um doing everything for me she put me through school um times when my father wasn't there you know when you lose your husband at the age of 25 27 you're looked at in a very different angle in a very different perspective especially in that culture yeah. especially in nepal yeah you're a woman who's 27 you're gonna be looked at by every you know you're going to be looked at as a widow mm-hmm. by the people in the society of Nepal yeah. I'm this is this applies to Nepal yeah. so the only option my mom had was to make her child strong mm-hmm. my mom had to first hone the strength hone the power and she literally, she became this um, iron lady. You know, she became this woman who couldn't be like, couldn't be shunned down. You know, people couldn't, people couldn't weaken her. Mm-hmm. She had taught herself strength. She had grown so much strength in her that no one had the ability to pull my mom down. 
because when you know that you're going to face obstacles you're you're going to prepare you're going to have mm-hmm. so when you're a warrior you're going to you know you're going to find shield and you're going to find every single tool that's going to help you to get to your destination mm-hmm. that's what my mom did my mom you know made herself so strong that even when people threw curveballs at her mm-hmm. people threw googlies at her she just she just fought it you know like a warrior mm-hmm. my mom became a warrior and that's and that's what i learned from her so this the strength to fight today is what i learned from my mom mm-hmm. my mom gave me the strength because i saw her fighting i saw her tackling everything that came on her way i saw her fighting the men who came her way i saw her fighting the society mm-hmm. that tried to put her in a box and say well you're a widow and this is what you're supposed to do Stick you know right. i saw her fighting that i saw her uh, breaking the stereotype i saw her breaking the rules my mom told me at the time varsha there's no rules you do whatever you want to because i'm doing whatever i my mom was a widow she would wear red she would wear and there would people like talking all around her oh my god she's wearing red oh my god oh my god yeah. you know it's kind of like a taboo after your husband dies you're not allowed to wear yeah. red my mom would wear red lipstick my mom would wear red clothing red sarees that's fine i mean you know she always so my mom always believed in doing whatever she wanted to and just living and you know just being herself and not caring about the rules that the society has created you know so for me for her to raise me was um a part of her survival it was something she had no choice you know when you give leave yourself with no choice you have you have the ability to do anything yeah You I mean know? being strong is the only choice she yeah. had. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Being strong is the only choice she had. So she raised me in a way she did. She put me through boarding school. She said, "Varsha, you have to have to be strong, independent. You have to allow no one to pull you down and make you weak, and you have to choose your own path, make your own path. Don't follow anyone." Because mm-hmm. that's their path. You follow yours. You follow what works for you. You know, don't look at everyone else. Don't even compare yourself with them because your fight is with you. So my mom just kept teaching me along the way, you know. She kept giving me little advices here and there. But slowly I got it. Slowly I just, you know, you know, when you're someone's kid, you just get it in the gene, I think. I agree with you. Yeah. And slowly I got it. I just, you know, I I understood what she was telling me. when you're a single woman when you're when you don't um especially a woman or a girl mm-hmm. if you be, if you allow other people to to step on you you will always allow that yes, i agree with you i agree with you i mean like my mom was strong too i yeah. mean i wouldn't be without her either yeah. and she was like i think more stronger than my dad and of course you know like what i've learned is people will treat you the way the way you let them treat you yeah. and the thing is like especially in a conservative society or whatever it's there's so much darkness and people are scared of light and when yeah. you become the light people will criticize you because there course. is so much craziness that's going on and if you shine a light in that craziness you are looked upon this like out of order person but at the yeah. same time like if you stand on your ground and if you are truly yourself yeah. that's when you know like you become the best version of yourself and eventually people will understand you I and mean, in your case right you were rejected by all these places in india nepal or whatever but you were uncovering vogue india and even if they rejected you you showed them from your action that you are not replaceable yeah exactly then, i and your diversity was what made you great exactly you know it was diversity it it took time yeah. i would say it took 6 years it wow. took a long time to get to get to that um that place uh, how was that like being on cover of vogue it was a dream come true okay so i'll tell you the story um i was in my apartment in brooklyn you know um and uh, it was last year and i was just sitting around and <laughs> you know doing my stuff and then there comes an email mind you I, that year i was sort of like 
um, in a depression mode. Let's say, like, no, not in a depression mode, but I was sort of like self-checking, you know, trying to see where I stand and where I'm going and what I've achieved. You know, you know, in that yeah, in that phase. You weren't like pro progressing. You felt yeah. like you weren't like. I wasn't progressing exactly. So I was in that phase, and then I there's an email that pops up, and I'm like, okay, let's check. And then my uh, agent here at the time, Elizabeth, says, Varsha, okay you this is this is huge so don't don't get excited as of now because this is still an option mm -hmm. so she says um you are the first option for vogue india they really want they're doing a di they're doing a diversity issue and they want to put you on the cover with other five girls for vogue india and my <laughs> face was like what and and she's like get and this is not e this is not it they also want to have a feature story about you and all the rest of the girls wow. inside with editorials and i it was like as if i went into a candy store and the owner said well you can have all the candies in the <laughs> store you know you can have whatever you want and take away the you can take away the entire candy store if, yeah. with you if you want that's how i felt I felt like I was in a, in, you know, in a, in a la-la land. Yeah. You know, I just felt so happy, so blessed, so grateful. Because every day I worked to get into Vogue. Or every day I worked to... You know, you, you, when, you're, when you're just growing, you're dreaming so much. Yeah. That every day you're dreaming about so many things. And Vogue was always one of those top things that I wanted. I mean, every model. I yeah, think. exactly. It was, you know... It, it felt like every every day I had dreamt of it, and finally today was the day that I was going to going to receive what I had dreamt about every single day. At the same time, my agent was like, "Don't get excited! Don't get excited! Because <laughs> this could it. cancel." So for models, this is always the case. You cannot be excited about anything unless you're confirmed for the job. So I mean, you have no idea how many things I've had as an option almost confirmed and then when i was gonna get the first bite of it it was taken away from me so there have been so many things i mean i can't even like i can't even mention them because they were huge you know but so you can't get excited so i was as a model i was excited but at the same time i was like you know what Ugh, forget <laughs> it it's not gonna confirm like every other job it's just gonna go away and then four days later she's like Varsha, this is looking really good, really good. And then a couple of hours later, she's like, you're confirmed, you're going. So I was like, oh my God, thank <laughs> you so much. Thank you so, like I just, the whole day, I was so grateful, so thankful. Even before that, even when even it was an option, I was always so happy and grateful. And I just kept, you know, like kept it to myself. And you know, like, yeah. you know, when, even, when it's an option, you really don't want to share it because you know, it someone might jinx it I, I don't I don't believe in it but you know I don't believe I don't even want to jinx it you yeah. know if that even exists I don't want that to happen yeah. so I just kept it to myself and you can imagine the excitement I was in like going to the bathroom brushing my teeth just <laughs> smiling you know cooking and smiling and laughing so I was just so excited I was like this little kid who was you know who was given the entire candy source so imagine like how much of a joy that kid would be and you know yeah. I was the same kid so I was very happy and when it confirmed I I was like wow thank you so much universe like I really thankful thanked a universe without that higher power I would be nothing mm -hmm. you know I've always believed that there's something bigger than us there's something really powerful there's like a holy garden angel who's working with each one of us and I really really am a strong believer of that and I loved 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 when i was rewarded with vogue india cover i was like my one of my biggest achievements it was and, last year right yeah it was last year and you know with that came and i didn't even realize when it came out and with that also came that i was the first nepalese to be on the cover of vogue wow. so that too was like for me it just you know it just broke all the grounds for me and i was like wow thank you so much did you feel like all the struggle was worth it at that moment? yeah I think that, you know, like, at the end of the day, people say that, you know, if some people fail, some people, like, uh, get success, but there's no failure. Mm -hmm. What really exists is, how, is, like, how long 
Are you willing to stick around? Because you know, at some point or another, opportunities will knock on your door. I think the difference is how persistent you are. Like even with this podcast for me, um, I mean, it's not as big an accomplishment as you are, but like I reach out to like 100 people and 90 of them never answer. And five of them answer, never give me a date. Or like five of them will be like, okay, let's do this. But there are times where I'm like, I can't do this. And with full-time job, it's exhausting. It, It is. But then you get... An interview that will change you as a person and yeah. I like someone will text you and be like wow that really changed my perspective yeah. and it keeps everything to the perspective yeah you know? exactly it's it's just how how um, willing you are to stay and to thrive yeah I would say if you if you can thrive if you can stay and if you're very persistent and you don't want to just give it away like that because you worked so hard for it. Imagine working like so hard for something and then leaving without getting a reward or leaving without even getting a thank you. Like imagine like you walk all day to meet a person and that person's not available. Aren't you going to wait for that person in the lobby or wherever you're going to wait? Aren't you going to wait until the person arrives or you're going to leave just because someone said, oh, he's not going to be available for the next couple of days. I think I'm the person who will wait in the lobby and wait for a very long time until I meet the person. Then I'll leave. Or if anything, you'll come back tomorrow. Oh, you'll come yeah. back the other day. Yeah. Because you really want to meet that person. Yeah, I really want it. You know, I believe in one life. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know if I'm going to have this this same life, the same opportunity, the same people that I'm around tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I think there are two kinds of people. Like one is, oh, I'll do it one day, right? Oh, yeah. for them, everything is one day, one day, one day. And there's yeah. another kind of people who are like, you know what? I have to do it. And yeah. for me, it's like my parents passed away in their 40s. And my mom always, I love her. I mean, like she always like would call me in Nepal and of be like, course. oh, I want to travel here. Yeah. I want to do this, but I'm going to wait till you guys come here. I want to go to this country, but I'm waiting for you to come here. So when we came here, she had like fourth stage of cancer. Oh my God, I'm so and, sorry. Yeah, and she didn't get to do anything. And and most people, they're like, oh, they, you know, it. you feel like, it's not gonna happen to you until it happens, right? And I'm sure even for you, you never could imagine losing your dad in such a young age, but it happens. And and people really take their lives for granted. They do, you know? they do. Life is so fragile, yeah. so fragile. I think we were speaking about it before. Life is so fragile that you can't risk not living it every moment. You know, when people say live your life as if tomorrow was the day you're going to die or you're going to die today, really live it. Because you know what? That could happen. Absolutely. And that being said, I'm not saying be fearful about it. I'm saying is that, all I'm saying is that what if you were going to die tomorrow? How would you live your life? Wouldn't you want to do everything um, that's in your hand and that's in your power you know to reach out to people you've never spoken to and you've wanted to speak to them or like to have a grand moment with your mom and spend the qualityest time you've ever wanted to spend with your parents to do all the things that you've been craving to eat all the food that you've been wanting to eat for so wouldn't you do that i mean for me it's always like when things are coming to end also um, all of my emergency power starts working at the end. My emergency power says, okay, you know what? This is coming to an end. And now we're going to put everything we've got mm-hmm. and get it and go for it. I feel like, wouldn't you want to do all of that, you know, in general? Yeah. You know? I, I, I don't know how some people, like, work. I mean, you know, their reasoning would be like, oh, I don't have the money. I don't have this. Or... I'm going to do it like when I retire in 20 years. But yeah. if you really have the retirement. <laughs> yeah, no. I think that um, I have been in positions where I've had no money as well to travel, to be, um, to do uh, fashion weeks and stuff. Yeah. But I, I, I don't think that um, money matters so much. 
there's all you can there's always a way when you when you train your mind mm -hmm. so the the most important thing is to train your mind how do you train your mind i train my mind um by saying that even if money doesn't exist even if i don't have any friends even if uh, scenarios are not the ideal scenarios that i wanted to be i will find a way how you know i read some articles like when you came to new york you were on that you were getting allowance hundred dollar a week yeah and even if you were signed by an agency you weren't getting jobs for I, i don't know like five six months yeah i wasn't and you're in a really rough place like you're what how old were you when you were here i think 17 so you were 17 hundred dollars a week new york is really expensive yeah hundred dollars is nothing yeah and not getting a job how did you make it oh i was speaking about this to a friend of mine um god i was um you know when i think that you have to allow yourself to be kissed by new york <laughs> yes <laughs> you have to be you have to allow yourself to um to be punched and slapped and you know like when you live in a city you're in a relationship with it i feel oh, like i had my fair share of punching exactly <laughs> yeah you know when you're so i was in a i had gotten into a relationship with new york i looked at new york as my relationship as my boyfriend <laughs> let's say very i'm sure it was an abusive yeah. relationship yeah very abusive <laughs> so new york was very abusive to me yeah. at in the beginning uh um but I I had to allow myself to be in a relationship because um I knew by the end of the relationship there would be something you know I would have taken that love to a very higher level you know I mean like I don't know I'm trying to put myself in a new position right yeah. I just got here yeah. I'm 17 when yeah. I came here I was 15 and yeah. like I mean if nothing I had my family right yeah. I can come home and tell to my siblings like we have nothing right now but we are in this together yeah. and I got your back you got my back but yeah. in your case you didn't have that security I didn't have that. no you had $100 a week mm. went on like crazy auditions yeah. and nothing was working out no and you're in this foreign land where people are not necessarily nice all the time no of course not and not in new york city i mean especially yeah. not in a city i wouldn't say new york city but not in a city that's very very competitive exactly people are really awesome i have some great friends yeah. but if they don't know you they're not going to care about you yeah. right yeah like how how do you like make sense of it and why don't you want to give up because i don't believe in giving up i don't believe that there's a word called giving up or or a notion called giving up like Is there I a don't. day when you're like frustrated and you just don't want to get out of it? Yeah, there are frustrations. There are days when I felt like, "Oh my god, like why? Why am I still putting myself in a position where I hurt myself?" But I don't believe in giving up. You know, there have been times so when I first got here, like I said, $100 $30 was my transportation. <laughs> Food was so I this is how I calculated. $30 for my metro card per week. Um then left was uh 60 mm -hmm. no 70. 70 sorry. <laughs> Very bad at math. <laughs> 70. So $20 let's say for food. So food was for me the carts that were outside of supermarkets, the the halal food sometimes of course. I was a non-vegetarian back then. Um sometimes halal sometimes the fruits and vegetable carts outside so i would buy like bananas for like 2 dollars like this bunch of bananas organic didn't existed in my life before the the thing that existed was survival so i had to look at it from a survival perspective so food cart vegetables everything from those carts i lived on 60th street and my rent was 1500 Wi-Fi not included. I was sharing a studio with another model. Who paid for it? My agency and I was in debt. Oh, I'll come to that. <laughs> I'll come to that. That was that. The food. So twenty dollars for food, and then the rest was for me to fifty um, dollars was for what else? What else expenses there? Oh, laundry, 
and then uh, here and there expense so you know it was very expensive and uh, what else was there you know you sometimes like sometimes i i didn't have the money to buy clothes not at all i couldn't even spare a dollar for clothing um so i didn't have the money to basically do a lot of things i couldn't buy water bottles wherever i went so i took a water bottle with me everywhere and asked you know whatever whichever place i went i asked do you have like a water filter or anything so i could fill up my bottle so i would take like a plastic water bottle with me everywhere it was like you know i was living like a gypsy um and um food transportation and there was something else i really spent on uh, i think i spent the rest 50 on that uh but oh irs stuff like you know for social security card and you know getting an id yeah so all of that made 50 mm-hmm. there were things that i had to take care of so all of that made 50 there were times when i didn't have any money and i wanted to stop taking 100 Oh and okay let's go to the rent. Rent was $1500. Wi-Fi not included with Wi-Fi was $1600. I was living in, on 60th Street and 1st Avenue and um I didn't want to take that anymore and that accumulation had uh, that uh, the rent had accumulated to I think $16000. So I was in debt of $16000 to Lamina models. and i was taking 100 every week so was that was as well as 100 yeah oh shit that added every expenditure that a model has goes to her account and then she pays it off through her work so i never got paid to be honest i never got paid for i think a year and a half so and then i was still living in the model's apartment and what happened was that i needed to get out of debt I needed to leave the apartment and take up another job. So I started working at Hollister as a model. Um so they had this uh, position where we could wear bikinis and dance around. So I was one of those girls and I would get paid $100 per day. Um no, $100 in one week and then that that I could do only one day. and the rest of the week i worked uh, inside folding clothes and saying hello to people and saying hey what's up that was my line <laughs> that was the punchline and i said hey what's up and then you know fold clothes and get paid 9 $9 $9 an hour and so i would work like probably 5 6 hours sometimes i would do double so no. how many months did you work in hollister oh god that was um i think months not even months you're talking about i didn't get paid for a whole year and a half so i think i would say a year and a half or even two years two years of my beginning of my years i worked in hollister and i didn't tell anyone um because i wanted the money and i had no money at all at all uh i was struggling so when i while i was in um uh in the models apartment there was another friend of mine Hannah and we were both living in the models apartment we were sick of living there because people girls would come home at 3 a.m. in the morning and then it was bunk bed situation so it was me Hannah and then on top of us there were two other girls they would come home at 3 a.m. and start smoking in the room and we'd be breathing the smoke and or they would come home talk really loudly or come home turn on the lights in the middle of the night or come home and just like do bizarre stuff. Mm-hmm. One time I went to the shower, left my Beats headphones that I had received from Model Lounge. Um so gratefully I'd received it. And I went to the shower, I came back, my headphones were gone. So you know there was a lot of stealing. Mm-hmm. Model's apartments horrible in New York. If anyone's thinking of coming to New York and living in a model's apartment, I would suggest highly recommend them to not do that and get their own apartment. So Hannah and I were sick of leaving the model's apartment and we both told ourselves listen let's sublet an apartment get out share live however we could and just get out and live by ourselves and not not continue adding to the debt by living there so she wrote on facebook someone contacted her saying well you guys can have this apartment uh there, there was this lady who had just broken up with her fiance and she had two cats 
and she didn't want to take those cats with her so she had just rented out the apartment and she said well you can have this apartment for six hundred dollars each wow. and you both have to take care of my cats and that apartment was on 86 in lexington so it was a very good location yeah that's a good location yeah god was literally taking care of me i was working at hollister and I could barely make my rent. Sometimes I would be so late. I would just like, you know, I would just beg and pray and say, I'm so sorry. Like, I'll give it to you in five days. So like literally, you know, like working my ass off. When you are on a survivor mode, you're on your instinct, your animal mode. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't care about luxuries. You don't care about um, looking good or like, you know, or what bag you're holding or what shoes you're wearing, what brand it is. You don't care. Even though I lived in a world which which only cares about that i cared about did i have money enough money to eat did i have enough money to pay rent that's crazy but i would think right if you're a model if you're signed by an agency you would probably go to clubs and like you know get bottle service or you would you know like get everything paid for like that's like the concept but you don't realize man you struggle i struggled i struggled my ass off i was um i was like a hobo and no one knew about it because that's true. I mean, you know, that still exists like promoters. So like when models want to go out to clubs, promoters take them out. I mean, the drinks are free and sometimes they take them out to, to dinner and the food is free because, you know, they're taking them, the girls out and the promoters are getting paid for it. Yeah. So why not? Um, that exists. The lifestyle exists. Yeah. But... There is a dark side. There is a dark side to the lifestyle. There's, I mean, the, I wouldn't call it a dark side, but I would say the reality exists also for a model. You know, she may not be making money at all, but she may have the lifestyle of a rich person. When did she start like making money and you know? I think 2000 and, uh, 2013, I would say. 2013 was when I like was able to get off my debt and that was the day I really thank God I was like oh my god thank you thank you so much thank you thank you thank you for getting me out of my debt I was like I cried because I saw my balance as zero and it was not zero it was like hundred something and I was like oh my god thank you thank you thank you I was just like I was in I, I was in so much happiness and joy that day that I was like you know I told my mom I was like mom I'm out of debt finally you know, and she was she was very happy. Is is it different in terms of diversity now for people who look like you? Of course. So it's like more jobs now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, the evolution's always happening. There's mm-hmm. always changes. Change is the only constant thing in this world. Yeah. It's always happening. When I started off, there was no di- there was very little to none, no diversity at all, and. There were only a few girls, diverse girls in the runway, and handful of them, handful of Asian girls here, handful of us were here. Now, every single campaign, editorial, or runway, even if they want to be racist, they can't. (laughs) Because there are society, there are organizations who are watching them and really watching them. And, you know, if they're not putting diverse girls, they're being called out. And, I mean, if you think about it, right, China has a population of 1.5 billion. Yeah. India has a population of 1.2 billion. India, Pakistan, Nepal, Afghanistan, whatever, it's like 2 billion people. Exactly. So the world is getting smaller and smaller. And if there are... And people are, like, rich in Asia, too, like, really rich, and they are going to buy those brands. And people in America... If you like do some research, millennials want to spend on experience, not on things. Yeah. And you have to go out there in that market. So if you're not diverse and people in those countries can't relate to your product, yeah. they're not going to buy it. Yeah. yeah. Like even in a business perspective, I yeah. think it's so important for them to like have a broader mind. Exactly. It, it has to... So like it has to resonate. When you grow up, you you grow up with people who look like you. People mm-hmm. who are in your family, they look like you. They have your skin color, they have your mind, and they have your you know eyes and mm-hmm. nose. So for me, it I think I I consoled myself saying, well you know, if they don't take me, then their reason could be, even though I wouldn't look at it that way, would could be that they can't resonate, they can't relate to me. Mm-hmm. 
um, because I wasn't the kind of person they grew up with. But that being said, I also had another mindset that said, but they have to. Because you know what, even if they didn't grow up with me, I exist. And people who look like me exist all over the world. You know, people who look like me exist everywhere. I, you know, I, I'm from Nepal. And people in Nepal, we, there, there's half the population that looks Chinese, the half, half the population who looks Indian. We're a mixture of... Indian real, and China. <laughs> yeah, we're an amalgamation of both, actually. And we have our own look, I would say. Mm-hmm. The other day I met this guy and um, he was like, uh, he's like, where are you from? I was like, you know what? I'm not going to tell you. Why don't you take a wild guess? <laughs> and, um, and I thought, okay, you know what? I'm going to have to like ultimately tell him after five or six guesses. The first thing the guy looks at me, looks at me for two minutes. He's like, you're from Nepal. Wow. And I was like, how the hell do you know that? Because not, no one in my whole life that have asked me where I'm from, have been able to guess where I'm from. And he was like, well, you know, you have a very distinct look. And he was Asian as well. Uh, He was Korean, half Korean. And I was like, well, you know, you're you're half Korean and you were born in the US. Not many people in the US have been able to guess where I'm from. And he said, well, you know, I'm just well aware of how distinct people are, you know. And I was I was shocked. He's like, yeah, but you guys have a very distinct distinct look. You're not very Asian. You know, you don't look very Chinese. Not Korean. Not Filipina, or like not Indian. Yeah. You guys have a very distinct and different look. And you're definitely Nepalese. I mean, people will know that once they know where Nepal is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, it, it's like people recognize us. People know where we are from. Yeah, people, I mean, it's 28 million people, though. Yeah, exactly. 28 million people. People know where mm-hmm. we're from. You know, like, I meet... I'm in the subway. I'm just walking around the street. I hear people talking Nepali. Yeah, you do? Yeah. I pretend I don't, but I do. I do. I, I do, and I'm like, I look... I'm guilty of that. I do. I look at them, and I give them a smile, because I'm... <laughs> what am I going to do? Like, say, I, you know? So... You know, we have to, we as Nepali have made our identity. We have created an identity everywhere. And I further wish to take that to a very, very high level, you know. But I want people to know that we exist. Since we are, we make the world, we are the world. Mm -hmm. Why don't you want to include us in your campaigns? Absolutely. I have 15 minutes. I want to ask you some rapid fire questions. Okay, (laughs) let's do that. What advice would you give to your 17-year-old self? I would say, take a chill pill. Don't try too hard. Dude, every single person says that. But then I ask them, like, would you have been this successful if you didn't, sorry, if you didn't uh, go crazy? I think that um, on some level I would. But the fact that I cared about people's opinions too much was uh, what I wanted to, what I want to stress on. I don't. I would have told her, Varsha, don't care about other people's opinion because all that matters is who you are and what you think is right and what you want to do is right. Everything that you want is the truth. And everything that other people think about you is, is them. It's external. What's internal is the truth. What's external is, is, not, is other people's opinions. I feel like I've known, I mean, I've had some conversations and you seem like someone who's very in tune to yourself and your inner self, your inner wisdom, and you look for the guidance and you try to like, you know, brush off the noise from the outer and you try to like listen to your inner self. How do you develop that type of inner guidance? By, be, uh, by working on your insecurities. I was very insecure as a kid. I was bullied. I was never accepted. When I was in school, I was very tall and skinny, so people called me bamboo, people called me chippy, which means like, you know, someone who's overgrown. Mm. Um, and then I went to India and then I was outcasted there as well. I was looked at differently because I had small eyes. So um, some kids, some bullies in India in the school said, oh, she's so Asian, so Nepali, so Nepali, like, you know, people. So 
When you're constantly put in a pedestal and made to feel worse about what you can't change, like the shape of my eyes or the color of my skin or whatever, you just work on becoming stronger. You know, because you're obviously after all of those, all of those putting down, you become insecure. Mm -hmm. you, you know, you become insecure about yourself, your body, your, you know, even your mind at times. But you just teach yourself to be strong. You know what I've learned? I was really bullied at, in my school too, mm. like back home. I mean, I was kind of bullied by teachers in Nepal. And what you learn is like, you don't control other people's thinking. You can never make them love you, so you start loving yourself. Yeah. You give yourself, provide yourself with so much love that nothing can touch you. No hate no uh, jealousy, no uh, disrespect, nothing can touch you because you fill in all of that void with love. You're the ultimate person who can love you. Not a boyfriend, not your parents, I, you know, not anyone. You, you must love yourself. Yeah, and I also think there has to be pain to see compassion. Of course. And you know, like that was the pain for me. For for me, the pain was um, knowing I was different, knowing that you know, like uh, people didn't accept me, knowing that people saw me as an outcast, and you know, put me on, you know, put me on the pedestal and made me, you know, you know, when you put put like a kid on top of a bench and you, everyone's looking and you, ha ah, ha, like look at that girl. That was me. I was laughed at by everyone, you know. So when you're laughed, when you're already in that position at a very, very, very young, I mean like eight, nine years old, I think that strength becomes your second skin. You know, strength, power, courage, and just like fighting for yourself, that warrior shield becomes your second skin. Would you take that back, all the bullying? No. If I took that back, then I wouldn't be where I am today. Never. I would just... I am where I am today because of my experiences, because of the situations that I went through, because, you know, I had to, God said, Varsha, you have to be strong from this very young age. I'm sorry I'm putting you here. I'm sorry I'm putting you in this, this very difficult and painful position, but it's only for your good. It's only to make you strong and make you powerful. And then, you know, you'll thank me. You'll connect the dots later. Um, I know you read, if you want to recommend like two or three books to our listeners, Good. Um, Fear by Osho. That's a very good book. Um, Power of Intuition also as well by him. Um, no, I think it's it's called Intuition or something. Yeah. Um, also, um, Power of Habit. And um, there's also one more book. It's called Blink. No, that was by Malcolm Gladwell. Power of Habit. I have that book. I don't think it's by Malcolm Gladwell, but I tried to get into it. I yeah. couldn't. Oh, you couldn't? Yeah. Is it good? I did like 10 pages and I was like, uh... Really? Yeah. Um, I like it because it talks about your um, subconscious mm. and it talks about how quick it is and how much smarter it is than your conscious. Yeah. And how you could learn and train yourself to trust that more than your conscious because at the end of the day everything functions from everything comes in from your subconscious and it's important what you put in your subconscious in order for your conscious to um, learn from it and uh, put it into action and Osha talks about that a lot of course and I I am a huge fan of Osho yeah. I mean that man was a hell of a man <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. so um any documentaries or movies you would recommend? Of course, Planet Earth. I think the Power of Intuition is one movie that I've watched that I've really liked. Okay. Um, the Secret, of yeah. course. It's such a great movie. Love it. Where do you see yourself in five years? <sighs> oh my son. <laughs> in, I see myself content. I see myself very, very happy, content. I see myself being able to financially help a lot of organizations I've been wanting to help. And you have helped um, people after earthquake in Nepal. Yeah. You, are you helping like stray dogs in Nepal? I, you know, I've wanted to do that. And I want to 
actually that's one of my goals is to open um an adoption center for stray dogs in nepal mm-hmm. not Which is a lot. yeah not not breed dogs when i see nepali people making you know uh, loving breed dogs it doesn't satisfy me because there are so many dogs in nepal but they stray dogs in nepal who are dying of hunger who are eating out of the garbage who are running around moms trying to feed their kids mm-hmm. but all they go for is breed is breed our breed dogs and it really 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 bothers me mm-hmm. and i also think there's not an organization that will clean them up and exactly. most of the stray dogs ha- yeah. are not clean and they have yeah. you know lice and stuff like that and i feel like there's an organization that would take care of yeah. them and make more press you know? i want to i want to give you an example i was in mumbai um last year around this time i think it was july um not august july and um I saw this organization called Adopt a Thorn and they were cleaning stray dogs and they were taking the babies of stray dogs and actually asking people to adopt them and people in Mumbai were doing that. Aww. They came over, they were adopting little puppies. Wow. So, I think that that's possible and since I've already seen it take take place in Mumbai, why not Nepal? I always ask this question at the end, what's your definition of courage? Oh wow. so many things courage is knowing that there will be obstacles there will be there will be curveballs there will be people trying to pull you down there will be people who act like your friends but all they want is to stab you in the back and see you fall there will be everything that you could possibly think of that would want to see you unsuccessful that would want to see you fall that would want to see you die mm-hmm. even die would it would go to that extreme but for me courage is taking their foot forward and taking that risk and taking you know really taking that risk and going forward knowing all of that but still having that power that capacity that you know that strength to move forward and achieve whatever you want self love is also courage because self love is an example of showing the middle finger to the world and saying i don't give a f- i don't give an f about your opinions because i love myself so much that i will give myself everything that i deserve courage is getting rejected by an agency yeah. and thinks they're showing that agency i could cover a boat yeah. that's courage yes that's courage for me you Thanks, know girl this was yeah. so much fun yeah thank you so much i had a lot of fun um knowing myself a bit more <laughs> the more i talk the more i know myself i do too yeah hey you guys thank you so so much for listening to this podcast i really really appreciate your time and if you enjoyed this episode then make sure to subscribe because every single week i will come up with awesome and epic interviews like this one and do not forget to check out my website limitlessgrid.com for show notes